freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 138 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are excited today. We're going to be doing something a little bit different, but I guess I should introduce myself first. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan. Dan. <laughs> I think that's who I am, right? I'm, I'm not sure. Who am I today, Cheryl? Well, um, yeah, you can be Dan. Okay, I'm Dan. Hi, everyone. I just, I'm just never sure why you're the other guy. That's the part that puzzles me. Uh, I don't know, because I'm not the other girl. <laughs> This is true. That's true. Well, today, what is our theme today, Dan? Our theme is Be Kind, Rewind, Version 1. So what could that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> so this is going to be a best of show and a compilation of some of our favorite moments from over the past three years. You might even hear us refer to our show by its former name... What was that, Dan? Uh, I can't remember. It's we, on your sheet. <laughs> I don't remember. Was it? And, and it's not even a hard word. <laughs> what? What was our? I don't see it on my he sheet. He doesn't see it on his sheet. Gun Talk AZ. Oh, that's right. Gun Talk AZ. <laughs> we were Gun Talk AZ for, uh, oh my gosh, like five episodes, if if even that long. And then uh, what Tom, happened? Why did we change that? Well, Tom Gresham, bless oh, his heart. Oh, Tom! He was such a gentleman about it. He gave me a call on my cell phone. Could have written me, you know, some kind of fancy lawyer letter or something, but he didn't. And he said, "Hey, um, psst, you know the <clears throat> the name of your show kind of, you know, sounds a little bit too much like my show." <laughs> I said, "Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. It's just such a great name, I guess." Uh, and so that was a just a little bit of trivia, a little bit of tidbit there. And so um, we scrambled over the course of a weekend, I think it was, you know, searching for all the available URLs and, you know, everything that, that could and couldn't be possible for our name and uh, put all of our creative heads together, our PR and marketing team and Dan and I, and we threw some things against a wall and what came out but... Gun Freedom Radio. What Cheryl's not telling you is that we tried to get Tom to change the name of his show, <laughs> but that didn't work. Oh, well, what are you going to do? He did beat us to it. So anyway, so today's show, uh, and we're calling it version yeah. one because we have so many great interviews that we've done that deserve a, a second listen, a second look. And uh, so I, I 
I think we're going to be doing a few of these, maybe even through the holiday season when everybody's so busy anyway. It's hard to, you know, get guests uh, that have time to, to be on the show, that sort of thing. So we're going to call it version one, and it's a mixed bag. Um, you're going to hear us talking maybe even about elections of past years and events from past years. Um, so just keep that in mind as as you're listening and you know, if we're talking about the presidential election, we're talking about that last one, that crazy one between uh, Hillary Clinton and who's the guy that won? What's his name? Trump. Yeah. <laughs> you know his name. You don't know the name of our... I just know who lost. <laughs> oh, don't be like that. Don't be snarky. So... Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So, Dan... In our Be Kind Rewind, what segments did we pick out uh, for our version one? Well, our first hour segment, we have Ken Blanchard. He was one of our very first guests. He was our very first guest. Yes. And Ken is a pastor, Marine, speaker, has multiple podcasts, and is author of Black Man with a Gun. He helped fill in some of the history of gun control and the culture impact these restrictive laws in the African-American community have had mm-hmm. from our very first episode, EP1 debut show. Absolutely. I was so honored that he said yes. Like I was just, yeah, was why just do you bored. Do that? I have no idea. I have no idea. You must have paid him or something. I, You know, he's just a super kind he is, man. He is really nice. And when I, this, this I have to tell, when I met him in person uh, shortly after that at the SHOT Show in Vegas, I went up to him, and I'm like, you will not even remember who I am. And he goes, yes, I do, Cheryl Todd. I was like, oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for remembering me. And and I said, you know, when you said yes to me, I had not even had a show yet. You were my first guest on my first show. What on earth made you trust me with your, you know, your story and your voice? And I love this. He said, well, spirit recognizes spirit. And uh, That's awesome. I don't know. It just blew me away. He's a great man. I just really appreciate him. Well, then we have John Adine. He's a pediatric orthopedic surgeon at San Antonio, Texas, and is active in seeking the right to carry for qualified hospital staff. At Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership, he oversees membership development. John was our seventh. John was in our seventh episode titled "Gun-Free Zones Are Dangerous Places." Why are they inviting targets from terrorists? And bad guys. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, as we sit here in the studio now, pre, pre-recording this and talking about something from one of our very early episodes, there was just recently uh, a shooting in a Mercy Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. And as, you know, the news was breaking all over the TV, I, all I could do was think about John and the work he's trying to do and that he if they weren't you know blinded the 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 powers that be if they weren't blinded by this notion that gun-free zone signs are actually going to magically cause you know bad guys to not enter with their firearms um you know that lives might have been saved that day right so who else uh, what other segments do we have coming up from our episode Five titled Who Needs a Gun? We talked with Carrie Lightfoot, who is a founder and owner of the Well Armed Woman LLC, a nonprofit organization with 230 chapters in 50 states. She has recently been named in Newsmax as one of 2015's 
100 most influential in pro-gun rights. Mm -hmm. And so that intro was from 2015. And so she had 230 chapters. Yeah, she probably got like a million now. I don't know. (laughs) It's true. She is such a go-getter. And yes, she had been recently named as uh, 100 most influential. And I mean, this was on year three, I think, for her of, of even having her business to have that kind of exponential growth. Uh, just incredible it shows you that she was the right person at the right time to fill uh, a hunger out there um, that women were wanting to be trained and and empowered and feel protected and we saw her about a week or two ago mm-hmm. i don't think she slowed down at all no because now she's even on the board of directors of the nra so <laughs> that's going to get some more memberships i'm She'll telling get that you going. it's that's true great. it's true well our second hour segment from episode 13 from 2015 titled can you hear me now we dedicated the entire hour to the cast of the polite society podcast co-host paul lathrop rob morris gary daughtry and john richardson talk about the hearing protection act that back in 2015 had at least a shot of getting passed but we have gone through two full years where the gop had the house the senate and the presidency all in while the elaborate electorate who voted them in having asked, can you hear me now? That was a little hard there. But basically <laughs> what we're saying is they haven't moved on it. No. All those years, all the power we have. You know, that's we, we think about that. Okay, uh, we vote and we're going to have, it's going to be so exciting because we're going to have all these people in place mm-hmm. and things are really going to happen. And then mm-hmm. boom, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Either side. Fizzle. More Either like side. Fizzle, not yes. even boom. Fizzle. And the Hearing Protection Act is about protecting your hearing organs, your ears, all the stuff going on in your ears, that the, the big heavy noises of, of the shooting sports and hunting and those sorts of things. You know, it, it, to me, it's such a no-brainer. I can't believe it's even controversial. Well, I think the reason why that is Hollywood has been too loud. <laughs> about the fake stuff and the people that are against it can't hear mm. already mm-hmm. they just can't their hear their ears are closed their ears are closed They're although they listening. listen Ooh. their ears are closed oh i like all that that you just did there well i don't know well we uh i think without further ado maybe we uh we get this party started so this is our Be Kind Rewind. It, it was before, I think, we even did the Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and definitely before Dan's calendar. Um, did we even so, know that we were going to continue doing this? You know what? I mean, what were we doing? I don't know, but it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I hope that the listeners enjoy taking this uh, trip into the Wayback Machine. Which one? The <laughs> Garth one or the other one? Uh, they can pick because okay. it's all in their imagination. One's kind of trippy and the other one's kind of real. So <laughs> I don't know. All right. Stick around. We have a great Be Kind Rewind version one show on the other side of these messages. 
Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband and Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop and i am being full-on mocked by our studio producer ed and my co-host the other guy dan todd right now as what uh, did i do <laughs> we didn't do nothing, <laughs> nothing. ed and i are sitting here talking about something and you, cheryl's just like <laughs> over in her corner over there you are lip syncing my intro i'll just do your show <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we do enjoy having fun at my expense, clearly. But uh, we are uh, enjoying a, a best of show today. This is our Be Kind Rewind version one. And in our first segment, we're going to go back to episode number one, our debut show. And our very first show, our very first guest was Ken Blanchard. Ken is a pastor, Marine, speaker, has multiple podcasts, and is the author of Black Man with a Gun. He helped fill in some of the history of gun control and the cultural impact these restrictive laws have had in the African-American community. Listen now, Ken Blanchard. 
Well, let me give a setup here. I am super excited to talk to Ken, but I want to introduce folks to um, to Ken. You you said a little bit at the top of the hour. This man's been a Marine, a CIA agent. He's a, a reverend, clearly, um, a gun rights activist. And how I came uh, to know of him was a C-SPAN clip. And I'm going to play a little piece of that just so you can see why I was like, I got to know this man. I got to I got to talk to this man. The very first gun laws in America actually started in Virginia when we were still colonies. And from 1640, there's been a long time history of rules against who has the guns. The very first gun law was against Native Americans, the African and Chinese servants. It's gone every 30 years since then. And in the 1800s, especially after the Civil War, the institution of the black codes. Once you find out who has the guns, you can take the guns. And it was instituted as almost um, a, a habitual thing for the African community that you don't want to keep your son or daughter out of work camp, out of jail, out of beginning lynch, because see, the rules were so heinous that if you had even a musket ball or even a dog in your property, you could be pulled out by anybody, any citizen. So the rules continued that way so bad that grandmothers and mothers would say, I don't want my boys playing with guns. It wasn't because of the Second Amendment. It wasn't because of the right to keep them bare. It was just to keep them alive. When you had everything going against you, and when we moved, we migrated from the rural south into the cities, it got even worse because we, had, we lost space. We were crammed together. All the laws were put exactly where the black people were. So Chicago and Detroit, the same place where we migrated from, also became the strictest places because they wanted to keep us in check, keep us in line, and that has been a steady stream and never stopped. So when you say registration, it hits a button for me. Reverend Ken Blanchard, welcome so much to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it is absolutely my honor. Now, that clip, those were some strong words. I mean, you know your history. You are passionate about gun rights. You are passionate about making sure that those are perpetuated into the next generation. Where does all that come from, Ken? It came from realizing that I was privileged and I had missed for years the fact that what I was taking for granted was not taught everywhere else. I originally just wanted to be another firearms instructor. I wanted to be the guy that when you go buy a firearm, you'll look me up and you'll, I'll, bring, I'll come to your household and I'll make sure that all your kids know about gun safety. I'll make sure that all people in the house, all the adults, were safe owners and responsible citizens. And my community said, get out of here with that stuff. We don't do that. And I thought, what are you talking about? You know Guns you- are bad. And I was like, in whose house? And I thought, wow i got to start from scratch. I can't even become an instructor. I have to become an evangelist first. And that is so interesting to me. And, I mean, you just talk about the privilege. I, I think that goes for all of us. I think we take so many things for granted, and uh, we don't understand and appreciate what other people have fought and died for and, and our rights and our privileges. And I think that the second thing you touched on, it's so heightened in the African-American community, um, all of these ideas. And... To be honest with you, I feel so naive, but honestly, I did not know until I was reading your book what what a cultural thing it is, firearms in the black community. So can you talk a little bit more, like educate us a little bit more about what that's where that comes from? 
um, we start from just surviving. Um, you have families upon families that are just trying to make it, um, just trying to go from poverty to success, just trying to get education, trying to do better than the generation before them. And I think it was um, the Greek philosopher um, Socrates that said you can't be a philosopher if you're hungry. Mm. So, so to be... To, to argue about the rights of the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, is a bit far from you when you're just trying to not get killed mm-hmm. uh, for having a, a musket ball in your house or to be caught with a rifle and not have a, a permit by the landowner or some writ that says it's okay for you. Um, so there's a, there's a history that I had to overcome, and I had to see it for what it was. Um, it wasn't my rule. I just had to work with what I had. And then my grandmother was my first inspiration because my grandmother had a whole bunch of kids constantly in and out of her house with a load of shotgun behind the stove. And wait, wait, we got to pause for a gasp. Wait, there was a loaded shotgun <laughs> just leaning against a wall and a bunch of kids running around. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, that. Whenever, whenever my family stops and goes, "You still doing that black man with a gun thing?" And I'm going, "Yeah, <laughs> I am." Just a little thing I'm doing and, on the side. I know, right, no yeah. big deal. And, and they said, um, what started it? And I said, Grandma. And they go, what? They go, I go, yeah. Remember Grandma's shotgun? They go, yeah. You touch it, and you you were earned the wrath of gr- my grandmother. Right. And we're like, right. Everybody doesn't have that. Everybody doesn't have that common sense thing. And then we listen to all the talking heads that tell us that if you have a gun in your house, that you're going to be killed by it. It's going to just link around and just shoot innocent people. <laughs> right. So I, they so they do that in the dead of night, right? Right, right. So I thought, <laughs> how many people has that shotgun killed that you know of? And they're like, oh, oh yeah, okay, keep on talking then. And then everybody goes back to normal. I just picked up like one point of of my family that we just took for granted. And then when I became I'm a Marine and became a law enforcement officer and a firearms instructor, and I saw how... Little things, wherever you learned, whatever you got from society, television, the movie, you carried on to the range. And that same thing happened pro and con with firearms. So you have to do a lot of debunking of the myths. And because there was also a preacher deep inside um, the rebel, um, I had to split duties. And sometimes, I remember a couple of times in church, somebody would say, yeah, another person got killed. Those darn guns. And the deacons would flash him a look like, don't get Rev started. Right. <laughs> this is don't the wrong church for there. that. Hmm. He'll come off this pulpit and change up on you. And um, I had to laugh. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Yeah, how do you rectify that then? Now you're a pistol-packing preacher on top of everything else? Oh, I've had my, my, my lumps. Um, I pastored a church for five years in, in D.C., and they did not like my pro-Second Amendment stance. Mm-hmm. Um, we would sit and we'd have, we'd have a good time on everything except for that. And every once in a while, I would get an international guest. Somebody would show up from France or from Holland or um, England even, and they wanted to video the minister. And everybody thought that was just really cool <laughs> that our pastor is getting on the, on the news. Uh-huh. And somebody would ask, what brought you here? And he'd go, well, he's very adamant about firearms. And you just see their faces like, oh. Mm. Yeah, that wasn't quite what they had in mind, huh? Yeah. Oh my. Well, 
I didn't want to hurt them anymore or, or, or take anything away from them, so I resigned from that position. Wow. You know, it's not interesting how you have to you have to choose what you know what you prioritize. You can't. Why can't you have both? It's just silliness to me. Yeah, it was a, it was a sad um, event, but I also realized that there was about thirty people in, in my small congregation. Um, but I ministered to thousands on the internet, um, so I, I, I didn't lose actually. I love that. And you've got a podcast, you've got a website, you've got this book that we're so excited about. I just finished reading it last night, and there's so many things I want to ask you about, and this darn clock is ticking down. Um, so, you know, could you maybe come back and talk to us again another time? Absolutely. Oh, I would be so honored. And, you know, I want to ask you, what's, you know, you've done, you've been in the Marine, you've been in the CIA, you're Reverend, what, what's next? What do, you, what do you got going on now? <laughs> Now I actually want to try radio, traditional radio, and uh, and just keep on spreading the love. I love it. What do you mean traditional radio? Like, do you have like a a station picked out? Nope, not yet. Not um, yet. I've done the podcasting thing for seven years. I've um, been in the basement under the washer and the dryer. I love it. Um, I've gone through all those iterations, but now I just want to try to get the, on any station, just a station, get a little show going. And get some momentum going with that. That's fantastic. And you've got a GoFundMe account going on, don't you? Absolutely. Well, how do we how do we help out? We'd love to help out. That would be cool. Uh, it's GoFundMe.com forward slash Black Man with a Gun. Perfect. Black Man with a Gun. That is an edgy title. Can you tell me just really quick, like, where did that come from? Sure. Um, when I first started, I was doing research like you wouldn't believe. I wanted to just be know everything about the whole gun control movement and racism and uh, why we are stuck where we are. And I found a book published in 1966, I believe, by Robert F. Williams called Negroes with Guns. And I thought, all right, this will be the updated version. Right. And I'll call it Black Man with a Gun. And then there was a uh, Adam 12, the old sitcom from the 60s. Yeah. When it first comes on, there's a, a radio thing that says, Man with a Gun. <laughs> I thought, that's it. I'm going to use that. I'm going to keep on saying it until it just makes everybody just they're used to it and it's no longer an issue. I love that. That is fantastic. Well, again, I'm so honored that you were spot there. No, not a problem. But you are just awesome. I'm so excited to talk to yeah. you. I can't wait to talk to you again. I can't wait to give out a couple of your autographed books. And um, I'm going to be uh, focusing in on your website, which is blackmanwithagun.com. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, and right. tell me about the GoFundMe again, and then we've got to run. It's GoFundMe.com forward slash Black Man with a Gun. Help Ken Blanchard get on the radio. I love it. Thank you, Ken. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Stick around. We have lots more coming up in the next segment after these messages. from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I am asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. 
The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. for sticking around you are with gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform we are brought to you by azfirearms.com your nationwide hometown gun shop well if you've missed any portion of today's show please go to our website gunfreedomradio.com click the on demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content every one of the shows we have ever recorded are posted there and when you want to put a face with a voice click on the guest tab there are photos and bios and links to all of the guests that we've ever had on the show. It is a wonderful resource, and uh, we don't hate it when you spend time there. All right, so this is our Be Kind Rewind version, one show, and now stepping into the Wayback Machine, we're going to go to episode number seven. Dan, is this back when we used to use the was it two cans and a string? Well, yeah, but we didn't really use a string. We kind of used like this plastic stuff because we couldn't afford the string back then. <laughs> I don't know. And the cans were kind of like used cans with beans in them, and it was really sloppy. Yeah, that was the time. <laughs> That's awesome. There's a visual for you. So way back, episode seven, we talked with Dr. John Dean. Now, Dr. Dean is a pediatric orthopedic surgeon in San Antonio, Texas, who is active in seeking the right to carry for qualified hospital staff. At Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership, the DRGO, he oversees membership development. So John was in our seventh episode, which was titled, Gun-Free Zones Are Dangerous Places, Why They Are Inviting Targets for Terrorists and Bad Guys. We're so glad that you stuck around through the break got a very interesting guest coming up. You know, we have a lot of voices out there, thankfully, that are saying things like, uh, you know, guns in responsible hands save lives. It reduces injuries and it protects property by preventing violent crime. We hear that, but we don't often hear that from doctors. And I want to welcome to the show, Dr. John Adine. Hello. Are you there? I'm here. Very good. And please tell me I said your name right. You did it. You got it right. Fantastic. John, uh, we were both at the um, the GRPC uh, a couple weekends ago. I didn't get a chance to meet you in person, and I, I'm so thankful that you uh, took the time today to come on the radio and talk with us. And I, 
I think that most people would be surprised to hear that there's such an organization, as I was surprised, as Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. DRGO.us is the website. Where did that come from? How, how did that develop? Well, that was started by Dr. Tim Wheeler back in 1994, believe it or not. And uh, it was a project of the Claremont Institute. Uh, and Tim uh, saw what was going on in some of the junk sciences that, that, was, you know, that were being put out, and he got involved. Uh, he t- actually testified in front of Congress, and he was partially responsible for getting the funding of the junk science out from the uh, uh, NIH. Um, he's been on t- a lot of TV shows. I mean, he really was the voice for a long time. Over the last year or so, there's been a revamping. And, in in uh, junk science, it, right? Well, no, not just that, but also in, in DRGO. Okay. Um, we have a leadership team, which includes Tim. He's still the director. But we've got some fresh blood, and we've uh, got some expertise. We've got, you know, you saw them up there on the, on the stage at, at Gun Rights Policy. Um, but we're trying to uh, put some new blood into the organization and get it going again. Now, physicians are in a position to see people at their worst. Right. Uh, if you go to any emergency room in any large city hospital, you see the results of the violence that happens. Right. The problem is, is that uh, a lot of the, the physicians now that are in the uh, kind of the power corridors and in the academic you know, halls don't see that. And so they live in their little ivory tower whereas the, uh, a lot of us are in the trenches. Right. You know, we, see, we see direct trauma. You go to the, you see the gang violence. Uh, and we know that uh, taking guns away from the good guys is not the solution, uh, especially gun-free zones. That's my thing. I've been fighting against gun-free zones now for the last couple of years. Well, and that's where I really wanted to kind of zero in on today because... I already was so struck by the talk you gave at the GRPC about how terrorists and bad guys view a hospital, like from a tactical point of view. But then days later, when we've had this horrible event in UCC uh, college shooting, and I just thought, you know, I I need you to talk to our listeners about that very thing, gun-free zones and and how the bad guys view those those, uh, areas. Well, uh, I was fortunate last year that I was up on a panel with Masada Ayub, and we, talked, we all talked about gun-free zones. And Masada Ayub uh, said that gun-free zones are the preferred hunting grounds for psychopathic murderers. So true. Think about that. Yeah, these guys plan this stuff out. Uh, I actually wrote an article called The Unthinkable, an Active Shooter in the Hospital, mm. and I talked a lot about that. It, it, uh, we, you can link that uh, through Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership's website, drgo.us. Um, but basically, these guys plan this stuff out. They have, um, you know, the kind of five stages that they go through. They fantasize first, then they plan it, then they prepare it, and then they approach with whatever tools they're going to use, and then, of course, they implement their attack. Um, and some of these guys plan for years in advance. We have evidence of that. Uh, so they pick a place where they know they're not going to have resistance. These guys are essentially cowards. And as soon as there's resistance, they will either give up or commit suicide. And that's been seen over and over and over again. The problem is when you have a gun-free zone, the time it takes for a response to happen often is greater than the time that the actual incident takes to go through. 
We've seen that um, so many times on these big news stories and even the little news stories when people are trying to protect their own life or their own home. So that's an excellent point. Right. And, and, and the thing is, and you, when you translate that into the hospital setting, now you're looking at a 10-story building that covers several blocks. Even if you have somebody in the emergency department, when something happens somewhere else in the hospital, it may take him minutes to get to where this is, you know, where the attack is going to happen. In the meantime, you know, the, the stopwatch of death is, uh, is running and people are getting uh, shot, you know, injured or killed during that time. So my, one of the things that I was trying to do was to get uh, the hospital to sign off on having some of our staff actually be armed. Uh, and actually, m one of the things that I really wanted to do was work with the uh, law enforcement to train together so that when we, if we ever did have an incident, they would know who the people are because they've been training with them. Mm -hmm. So we won't have blue on blue. You know, just right. the bad guys will get shot, not the good guys. And how is um, that going? Are you being received at all? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, I did I did a um, a petition last summer, mm -hmm. and I get, got almost 500 signatures from hospital employees until I got a phone call from the CEO that says, you know, we have an anti-solicitation policy, and oh, wow. we want you to stop soliciting wow. signatures. Oh, and that was horrible. it. That's terrible. That was all he said. And then I got a letter in the mail, registered letter, you know, saying that you're not supposed to do that stuff. So well, uh, that, that's how receptive they are. The problem is, is that sooner or later, something's going to happen somewhere. And, you know, and, and, the, and the hospitals have, you know, they're corporate and they have attorneys giving them advice. Right. And the attorneys are going to look at the, the risk-benefit ratio and you say, well, the risk of having employees carry guns is higher than the risk that we would have if we had a mass shooting in a hospital. And Which to me doesn't make any sense at all because when it does happen, there will be huge lawsuits. That's what I'm thinking, and not that I am ever a fan of of that kind of you know activism or, or whatever you want to call it. But um, until somebody feels the pain of it directly that way, I I think you're going to continue to be met with that kind of resistance that to me makes no sense. And that the clock is ticking here, and I'm going to have to run, but. Some of the points you made um, on from the stage uh, over the weekend was how terrorists look at these buildings. And right, they're they're they're, a, they're basically easy to approach and get into. Uh, they're easy to hold, and they have lots of bad things in them. They have drugs, they have nuclear materials, they have um, you know bacterial cultures that they can use for weapons, and they have lots of very prime people such as children and elderly and physicians and nurses. Imagine the devastation if there was an attack in your hospital and they wiped out half the medical staff. Exactly. You, live, you have a community hospital that serves you know, a 50-square-mile area. That hospital is pretty much taken out of business at that point. I agree. So it's, it's a, it's a, it can be a devastating attack to a community, even in the big city, you know, the hospital I work at has about 40% of the, of the market share. If they took that hospital out, you know, the other hospitals would be, would, would be uh, overtaxed and uh, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't handle the load. John, I, so, I, I agree with you. I've got to run. I've got 10 seconds to go. Thank you so much for coming on. I want to bring you back at some point. Would you come? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Hey, stick around. we got a lot more coming up.
Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com. The biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I couldn't resist doing that one since this is our Be Kind Rewind version one show. Dan uh, always kind of cracks up when I do that one. Yes, because you kind of like go out of your chair when you say it. <laughs> kind of biggest little gun yes. shop. Um, we are the biggest little gun shop. Why do we say that? Because we are. <laughs> but what makes us big and little because at the same Because we have a time? really small store, but it is packed to the walls. I mean, we can't even carry accessories, too many accessories, because we've got to have room for the guns. Yeah, so we're about 1,000 square feet in physical space. With 1,200 guns. With 1,200 guns. I mean, it's crazy. It's exciting. That's the ones you know about. It's yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's always the oh, no, oh, honey, I've had that one forever. That old thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, by the way, I bought two cannons. That's that's you. That's your was specialty. That me? Yeah, that was you. Hmm. So uh, all right. So we are the biggest little gun shop in Arizona, but we are also your nationwide hometown gun shop. Yeah. And do you know what we're doing? What? Well, we got the SAR show coming up on the third. Uh, this this 30 December mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to buy some more guns. I I do believe that. I believe that you are. 
So moving right along, let's introduce our next segment. Our next segment comes from episode five. That's back in 2015. It was titled, Who Needs a Gun? We talked with Carrie Lightfoot, who is the founder and owner of the Well-Armed Woman LLC, a nonprofit organization with 230 chapters in 50 states. And she had recently been named in Newsmax as the 2015's 100 Most Influential People in the Pro-Gun Rights Movement. And in 2015, she had 230 chapters. How many do you think she's got now, Dan? Probably 497. Thousand. Thousand? <laughs> I don't I mean, know. I'm, I'm I don't guessing. Know. I'm guessing. She, is, she can't even keep track of it. I don't think she can. The, the growth has been exponential, and she is such a go-getter. Uh, she has now even been elected to the NRA Board of Directors. So um, there is no grass growing under this lady's feet. No. I'm, I'm, She's going to end up being president of the NRA. She keeps it up. I'm she better sure. slow down. I think she could be president of anything she wants to be. And she is a, uh, we're just proud to know her. Yeah. All right. Well, sit back, relax, and listen to this episode from being in the Wayback Machine, episode five, titled Who Needs a Gun? Talking about the things you're interested in, firearms, ammunition, the shooting sports of all kinds, and you are going to be so glad that you tuned in uh, to this segment because we are about to introduce you to one of the 100 most influential pro-gun rights advocates, Carrie Lightfoot. She's the founder and owner of The Well-Armed Woman and the founder and chairwoman of the Well-Armed Woman Shooting Chapters, 230 of them in all 50 states. Welcome to the show, Miss Carrie Lightfoot. Well, thank you. Thank you. We are so excited to have you here. Not only are you my friend, who I love, but I am also so excited about what you are doing in the world of shooting sports. It's been pretty cool. There's been a lot happening. So very exciting times for women. Well, it is. And when we have people like you out there uh, trailblazing and opening doors, it's powerful and incredible for women, but not just for women, because men benefit as well to have uh, female counterparts out there Husbands and wives bond out on the the shooting ranges. Families go out, and kids are benefiting from this entire family activity. They're they're learning responsibility and focus, and so many incredible things. And I think a lot of that comes right back down to, you know, a lot of times the center of the household is mom. Mm-hmm. You mean, know, if mom's shooting, the whole family is shooting, and so that is just good all the way around for the industry for women, for the families, and for our Second Amendment rights as well, because that's that's now a, a central piece of that family unit. And so it's really very, very exciting. It is exciting. Now, you, the well-armed woman, three years ago, yeah, it was just a, a thought. It was just a, hey, I think I'm going to do this thing, right? Yeah, it was... Uh, the whole thing has been pretty pretty amazing to me um, in starting my own journey, you know, looking at firearms and, and for my own self-protection, which was later in life, um, you know, did not grow up around guns. I grew up in New York, and so it oh, just wow. wasn't, it wasn't, it just wasn't a topic. It wasn't right. something we thought about at all. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and in, in looking 
for information and trying to understand, well, how does a, how would a gun fit into my world? Could I use it if I had to? Mm-hmm. You know, all of those questions that we that we have. There weren't any resources that spoke to me as a woman. Hmm. Um, there's lots of resources out there doing a great job of meeting the needs of male shooters. Right. But there wasn't anything that, that spoke to me. And it, it was, um, I, I found a lot of the over-sexualized side of the firearms industry, which it's just there. It'll be there forever. Um, but that didn't speak to me personally. Wait, you, you mean I can <clears throat> shoot an AR-15 and not be in a bikini? <laughs> you can. Really? You can do it. I, say, I yeah. didn't know that. That's good to know. I've, I've never seen that <laughs> <Yeah>. before. <laughs> no, sadly, that is how uh, it, women were portrayed in the shooting sports forever. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, I, 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 I hate to think that. I mean, it was not, it just was part of the natural world of men and, and guns. And like I said, it's, it's going to be there. So it's not my mission to... I mean, I'm not tackling that side of it. Right. Um, but You're but just opening new doors. Exactly. And if I want to wear a bikini, hey, I can. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. There's, so. nothing, there's nothing prettier <laughs> than a beautiful woman in a gun. So, right. so, so don't, I don't want to you know, get misunderstood. But that does not meet the needs of the average, smart, intelligent woman who is just <clears throat> excuse me, trying to get answers yeah. and, and become equipped to take care of herself. So, Carrie, I have a question for you. I mean, yeah. what... If, if, if you don't mind, what made you decide one day, I want to get a gun? Yeah, um, great question. Um, for me, it was a couple of things. I had things happening simultaneously in my world that, mm-hmm. that triggered um, that, that, that whole thought of my own personal defense. One was I had, was involved in an abusive relationship. Um, I had been a single mom for 12 years, um, and that, that was life-changing for me, that sense of being in fear. Mm-hmm. And so that ended, but I still felt the the ghost of it, if sure. you will. And then um, my children were leaving for college. My youngest child was preparing to go to college, and it was just this moment like, well, okay, well, now I'm going to be alone. Yeah. So what? for 12 years, for all the time your kids were with you, mm-hmm. you had no gun in there? No, no. Wow. No. Didn't even really think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I took a job working with the homeless and helping people struggling in poverty, which took me to a tough part of town. So those three things, it was like, wait a minute, I'm now vulnerable and which I didn't like that feeling at all, you know, being um, kind of an independent person that I thought yeah, I, I don't, was. I don't look at you and think, oh, poor little waif. Yeah. She looks so vulnerable. No, so not it, at all. It clearly was an option. I'm like, what would I do? And so obviously I started thinking, what, what are my options? There's knives, there's guns, there's different things. And um, so the gun became the option that I wanted to thoroughly investigate. Went out shooting with some friends. Um, I was blessed to get to use, you know, shoot everything, every caliber, and loved it started doing research there was nothing there really was nothing that that was dealing with my issues and spoke to me respectfully so the idea was born that day coming home from the range wow was that we needed something so mm-hmm. the, did you buy the first time you bought a gun did you go into a gun shop by yourself and buy that i gun? did but when i went shooting my first gun that i the gun that i loved the most was a kimber 45 uh-huh. 1911 and i loved it and i really didn't know better i hadn't done my research yet that was my first gun now i loved it that's mm-hmm. my first. Everybody remembers their first, right? It's, it's a beautiful gun, shoots beautifully, but it wasn't the practical gun for me to conceal carry. Right. <laughs> I, that thing weighed more than I did loaded. So, um, But um, I did go into the store, but I had friends with me, so I had a very good first experience. You know, it's funny because when I go into a gun shop, too, that I don't know, I don't like going in by myself. I'm yeah, afraid of it. And you are like and the I'm, gun you know, guru. Right. And yeah. I'm afraid of it. It's just, I don't know what these people are, you know, the people behind the counter and how they're going to act. Right. React. So that, that's good. But well, thank you. And that's been a big, big impetus for this whole thing was to help familiarize women and, and um, translate the world of 
guns right. and, and, and to remove some of that intimidation so that they could be empowered and comfortable and educated enough to walk in and say, I have these questions, please answer them for me, instead of being perhaps misguided right. or, or sent in the wrong direction or so intimidated that they turn around and walk right. or ignored, which, which sadly yes. still happens, not as much, but right. I still hear about it pretty regularly where the woman will walk in and everybody pays attention to the male customers, and she's just standing there. The, the so. assumption is that she must be with, with someone, right. one of those guys. So exactly. you need to go to a gun shop that has a heart of a teacher. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's the main thing. Yeah, exactly, so, like good. you guys. It's really hard. So. Yeah, thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. azfirearms.com. We, we really pride ourselves on serving, not selling. Right, that's why I love you guys so much. Um, thank because you. that's that's the heart that we all need. Not just women, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge decision. Education is a part of it. You can't just buy a gun. It, no. It's a package. You have to understand everything. And the gun stores have responsibility, you know, I think morally and, and, and whatever, to, to really invest information into their customers. And you guys do that. Well, I appreciate that. And then getting back to this, the well-armed woman, which, you know, it just boggles my mind that three years ago, it didn't even exist. And now, not only are you a huge presence online with all of the innovative products that you sell, and I think a lot of your products, correct me if I'm wrong, really are geared specifically to women but but men could shop there as well yeah, and we find... actually have a, lot, a pretty pretty hefty male um, customer base I mean the products many of them are designed specifically for women but you know what guys a good holster is a good holster exactly so some of the things that women demand in their holsters primarily because of their body our body differences and our clothing styles are um, you know really really thin low profile well that's good for everybody Mm -hmm. Um, so some of the innovations that we've made some of the holsters we've designed or carry all fit they're all good holsters Mm -hmm. and they just they 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 are proven to fit a woman's lifestyle and her body and her clothing and like I said a good holster is a good holster we you know we don't have the well-armed woman flying all over it you know we don't we don't do you, ship do you blind a, copy, blind, you know, blind labels. Right. right. Do, do you have right. a place where people from the valley could go and? We do. It's so funny. You were talking about the beginnings. I started this company literally on my couch in an apartment. We know, love in that because we're like that. And we started small. It, you know, it was just it was crazy. It was so crazy at the, in the early days. And anyway, now we have a you know a big warehouse and offices and everything's here in the air park in Scottsdale. What's the address? It's it's not a retail establishment, it's but not. yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, they want to you want we want people to find you online. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's really a fulfillment center where mm-hmm. where we where we house everything, and then we operate from there. I mean, people are welcome to come in. It just it isn't a pretty so you have a, catalog, it isn't a pretty shop. You have a website that has all your catalogs. the website has everything on right. it. Thewellarmwoman.com. So okay. That's awesome. And then you have this incredible uh, well armed woman shooting chapters yeah. nonprofit. Two hundred and thirty chapters. In how many states? We have all 50 states all now. All 50, so. woohoo! Yeah. And that just happened recently, it just right? just happened. Rhode Island was the holdout, so we have a gal getting one started over there, oh, so we're very excited. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And and so I think what um, I really want to, to think about, you know, we've got all the politics swirling, we've got the, the election coming up, and uh, women are, I think I heard Carly Fiorina state, we are like... 51%. Right. Right? Right. So we are the majority. We're not a special interest group. I love you know. that she said that. Yeah, I did too. That's um, fantastic. And I look at your example. You are one woman who had an idea, saw a need in the marketplace, saw a personal need. You know, you could speak from your own personal um, experience. And in 
three years time, which is a blink. It's like no time at all. You have grown this incredible organization that's empowering. I mean, if you've got 230 chapters, I can't even imagine how many women, how many actual people does that equate to? Uh, thousands. I mean, I think we're over 6,000, I think approaching 7,000 members. Um, and, you know, it impacts people even beyond that. It is such a beautiful program. And I had no idea, I really had no idea how beautiful that program would be. I knew it was a good idea that women wanted to get together and shoot, which is what it is. It, they're monthly meetings with an educational component and then a range component. But it is changing lives. It is, it is transforming women in in so many ways and it goes way beyond the gun mm -hmm. it's that confidence of you know what I can take care of myself mm -hmm. and I don't need to depend on somebody and I'm going down you know I'm going down with a fight to my mm -hmm. last breath here mm -hmm. and that is empowering for women and it it changes the way they walk through their lives they I walk agree. through parking lots different they relate to people differently eye contact all of those things and it, it's um and you had mentioned um, more mature women, you know, mm -hmm. older women. Yep. We're seeing a lot of women in their ladies, late late eighties, get taking their lives back yes. and really shrinking the target. Yes, that's right. on their backs and, and all of our backs. We all have them. Men's yeah. backs are broader. They don't yeah. have such a, they don't have such a big target. <laughs> that's true. Women, we do, and so this is really shrinking that target, and that's significant. It really is significant on a lot of levels. It it, it is so much. And then just to kind of double back on what I was saying is that so if one woman, if mm. you as one person have been able to to touch a minimum of 6,000 lives who then touch other lives, what if all 51% of right. us <clears throat> women, the females in this country, fully engaged whatever it was they were passionate about? You know, the truth is we, we women could drive legislation. Women could preserve our rights, mm -hmm. and when you get women on a mission, oh yeah, I mean nobody. Watch out. It happens. <laughs> whatever, no whatever task you put a woman on, it happens. So part of my mission is to really educate and get women on fire politically and involved, not just talking about it, but doing things. Well, and speaking of which, this weekend the gun rights policy conference is going on. The Second Amendment Foundation has organized this. And you and I both are going to be speaking at that yeah. uh, tomorrow on Sunday. And C-SPAN is even set to catch all the action. And you're going to be talking about... Yeah, getting women involved politically. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I really look forward to it tomorrow. So please, you know, look look that up online. Come out. <coughs> it's an important uh, event for our industry, for the shooting sports. And you're going to get to meet some wonderful people. And Carrie and I will both be there. So stop in and say hello. We also, Dan, um, we have a huge auction happening today. It started an hour ago. I think we better. Oh, my gosh. I need to get back. <laughs> <laughs> we might want to head out there because in addition to AZ Firearms, we also have Pot of Gold Auction at 215 East Western Avenue in Avondale. Yeah, they got guns, coins. I think there's 70 guns, some nice ones, too. Some gold coins, some old pocket watches, even gold pocket watches. It's going to be great. And then next weekend, Carrie, you got a little thing going on. Yeah, we have our National Chapter Leaders Conference. So we have 250 women coming from all over the country. We've got Cam Edwards attending. We have Sandy Froman, former president of the NRA. Wow. we got to get um, her back on. Travis yes, Haley's coming do. to do a training. Steve Fisher. I mean, we've got, it's going to be an amazing weekend. That's fantastic. Thewellarmedwoman.com. Thank you, Carrie, so much for being our guest today. We are having you back. Will you come? Sounds good. I'm here. I love it. Thank you. Don't move a muscle. We have lots more to come. Stick around.